The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 80 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, the usual crew. We've got Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. John George at the Esports Plug. How we doing, everybody? And Chris Chung at Prime LOL. Hello, everyone. Alrighty, so... We got quarterfinals in the books. We have three more matches left in the competitive league year. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I always get real bittersweet this time of year because, like, part of me is like, ah, oh, I get some time off finally. But another part <laughs> of me is like, man, I have this giant void of time now. So it's it's kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I busted t- out the boxing bag yesterday, Gelati. We're starting to get too much free time, trying to find some ways to fill the fill the time through. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to, you know, we got one tiny, it's not even a news. Well, I'll just say it. There's Tarzan is now officially on LNG. That's like the, the news thing. We mentioned it last week, but it's official now. Um, any and all other speculation, rumors, all this stuff, we're going to save for off season. Uh, we're not going to take the time on it right now just because, I mean, I personally think just wait, <laughs> like just wait until the news comes out. If there's stuff we want to talk about, we have plenty of time. We have the next two months to talk about this kind of stuff. So uh, not really in any particular rush for any of that. Um, let's go over quarterfinals. I think that like, so we had four matches. Uh, I, we had two three O's. I did not see that coming. I'm, I'm kind of not like I'm a little surprised by that, by how it went down. But I'm also not quite surprised by like I was pretty confident we weren't going to get a single three zero actually. But I guess we'll start at the top. Uh, we had Damon and Dragon X on Thursday. Uh, it was looking like Dragon X was going to take the first game of that series. Uh, they they looked pretty good. They actually looked pretty good in the th- I think it was the third game too. Uh, it was the Orion? Was that the Orion? It might have been the second game. I'm looking now. No, the first game was pretty close, like a low-scoring close one. Then the third one, like, they were just blown out by that point, I think. The first two games were – the first one was very, very close. The second one was, like, winnable, but uh, kind of a long shot. And uh, then Dan one just kind of blew out the third one. So not maybe not that surprising to a lot of people, but I don't know. There, there weren't really that many takeaways from this series for me. It's just kind of sometimes Dan one does this to people. <laughs> I kind of what I said on in Discord that I think is true is like we all knew Damwon was going to be the favorite in the series. They ended up winning three zero, but I think personally, if I'm a like Damwon backer, I'm not real happy with that series. Like they were behind in the early game in at least two out of three, if not three out of three games. Yeah. There, they could have lost any of those games, and I don't think a lot of people were like thinking that Dragon X was a super strong team, and that was like not like they were they were. It was one of those things where you can call it a dominant victory because they did kind of lead a lot of the games. 
and they won 3-0. But the games individually, when I looked at them, none of them felt like, oh, this is a shellacking. Yeah, the, the third the third one was the closest thing to that, and it wasn't like a complete whooping. Like it wasn't. Yeah, there was like one over... game. Yeah, there was one game that was like kind of a real, like actual beating, and then one of them was like. If Dragon X could have stopped the Soul Dragon, I thought they were going to win. Yeah. And then another one, they were ahead for like 10 of the first 20 minutes of the game, like fairly sizably, and then Damwon pulled it back. But I don't know if that's the result I was looking for, if I'm like a, a Damwon backer to win World. Yeah, it, it almost felt like they were like playing that that series like cl- real close to the vest. Like they weren't very loose about it, which is not very them. That See, the, part of the reason why Dan one is so good, I think is that they can do both. Like they can pivot pretty easily. Like they're very comfortable playing whatever they got to do. And I, I think that's why we all agree. They're such a strong team, but yeah, I could, I could see where you're coming from with that. I, I don't know. I, I just uh, think like the nature, go, go ahead, just like the nature by which these teams play. It's kind of, it's just going to look like that sometimes. I was going to say, I was actually impressed with the way that they, like, I would say that they were more dominant in terms of, like, finding small advantages and, like, taking them all the way home. Like, I think it, I think it might have been game one, and I could be misquoting, so uh, if I am, my apologies. But I think it was game one, they had, like, Braves just, like, invaded early, and Kindred couldn't get a stack on the Scuttle Crab, and then she got Double Crab because she went to that Scuttle and lost the the smite fight or something. Um, and like th- that, that's the type of little things that it was like, okay, now you're behind. When are you ever going to get your fourth stack? Cause now it's going to be spawning in my camp way too. Like, you know, uh, like I'm going to be ahead. So it's not going to be able, you're not going to evade me type thing. And I was just like really impressed by them being able to take those like tiny little advantages where it's something that like, you may not really recognize Like If you don't know how Kindred works and know that like on her fourth mark is a big power spike, then like you may not even recognize it, but denying that first one on the scuttle crab, which is you know pretty much comes down to RNG, yeah. like a very big play, and so they were able to like use that to end up winning the game. And then you contrast it to when they had Kindred, they just like ran through everything. So um, just a lot of little things like that, I thought really added up, and that that's what was more impressive to me than any like big plays or outplays or anything like that. I thought they did well in battling. Like Nuggery, um, I think took care of Dorn pretty well in the top lane and made his impact even when he was losing in certain games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I was really impressed with their ability to, to use small advantages and, and kind of like take it all the way home. Yeah. I, I think what kind of goes underrated with any team against Dragon X, and it, I guess it kind of gets taken for granted because of how, because they didn't win LCK. Legitimately, I think this is like an actual bias people have. I think, I don't think people realize just how good, they are in lane in general. So like people don't think of Doran as like this, like crazy savage player. Right. And like, yeah, maybe he's not quite on the level of some of these like true, like true, like gods of the top lane. But I mean, you want to talk just lane fees and shit like Chovy and Doran are maybe better than anybody period. Like, so if you're able to keep up with them or keep pressure on them or like, don't let them apply like this dragon X team, it's kind of like the next evolution of Griffin, right? They play very similarly. They're a little bit more willing to be aggressive and, and take risks than that Griffin team was. That Griffin team was just like, we're going to play high percentage plus EV at all times, right? And they're just going to play a full court press, and then Tarzan's going to be there to choke you out like when you go to escape from it, right? They're a little bit looser than that, but like, like there's just going to be, like they're going to 
create games like that first and second game where it's it's just this ugly slow game that's the kind of game they want to play and if you can beat them at their own game which Dan Juan did in those games then to me that's extremely impressive so I think in that first game it was also a little bit weird that Dragon X didn't have any way to engage a fight so it was like they had the kindreds they were hoping to get engaged on but all they had to do was kind of like there was a lot of dancing in that game there was like I think it was like nine to three. There was like a whole lot of dancing in that game because there wasn't really any kind of engage on Dragon X's side, so they were kind of at a disadvantage unless they were ahead and they kind of got behind because Canyon just leveled. Canyon was just nuts early in that game, so yeah, I, I don't. I, that series, I think, is like maybe a classic version of closer than the three zero scoreline, but it was a still kind of a decisive victory for Damwon to me because like as the series went, you could tell like as the series went on, it just became more and more favored for them. It's not that Dragon X was even tilting off or anything like that. It was just like, it seems like Dan Wan figured the figured things they needed to figure out in that series, and they just took over it. It wasn't a whole lot like going on in that series to me. It was just Dan Wan outclassing everybody. Um, what was the second one? JDG Sooning was the second one, right? The we'll second go, day or the second? We'll go. Day? We'll go JDG Sooning just because I okay. forget the order they happened in. <laughs> um, JDG Sooning. This was. Uh, so I figured. So all right, I thought this series would be close. Uh, I did not think. Uh, I thought Sooning were capable of winning the series. I did not think it was going to go down the way that it did. I don't think anybody thought that it would go down the way that it did. Uh, yeah, I don't. I guess it wasn't like a ridiculous underperformance by JDG, but it was definitely like to a certain extent like an underperformance from JDG, right? What I my take on this series might be different than some other people's. I actually thought that for the most part, JDG actually played better than Sunning in this series. I thought their compositions were really bad and had a very hard time winning fights. They won a lot of their lanes and got big advantages in places a lot of the time. But then every time it came down to there's a fight around the dragon, JDG can't win it. There's a fight around Baron, JDG can't win it. And like I really felt like in a lot of ways JDG outplayed them in this series. Not to take away from Sunning, because I think yeah. Sunning actually played a fantastic series. Yeah. But I thought JDG in many ways outplayed them in this series and went away from what they needed to do in draft that really costed them a lot. The series felt to me almost like these, like they reversed spots, right? Didn't it feel that way a little bit? Like JDG were dominating, like it was, it was, it was opposite day, right? Where, like, JDG, like, yeah, they can dominate lanes against a lot of people, but, like, typically they're more like, okay, we'll turn on, you know, we can we can live with a 1k gold deficit and we'll turn we'll turn it around. Like, we'll just yeah. scale up, we're, you know, we have better macro, we'll work it that way. And it was almost like the opposite, where, like, they were trying to lane kingdom, and they were, and they were lane kingdoming, and then they got outscaled. Uh, I mean... Huh. Go ahead, Josh. That's a, an interesting... Uh... Scroop or an interesting principle you're describing. I wonder if there's a certain Artillian champion that has anything to do with it. I don't yeah. know. There's a whole lot of that going on too. Um, so I'll say this. That's fair. Um, I'll say this. So I, to me, what impressed me so much about this series was that that they won without Bin. Bin got dumpstered in three of these games, like absolutely dumpstered. And the the one game he didn't was the game where he had level one Sheen. Because of the level one. Did so, anyone like, check the? Did anyone see the tweet? By the way, one of the coaches—I can't remember who it was. One coach for one of the teams in Europe 
might have been in a year like regional league made a post on twitter where he was like i can't believe there's professional analysts out here that think that zoom is having a better series than Vin. these are these people stupid or whatever and that people just like 20 people were just in his mentions like you are a moron if that is your opinion please stop acting arrogant like zoom is definitely having a better series than Vin. yeah like here's the thing you're when you play Gangplank, Gangplank is a very, very fickle champion. It's extremely, extremely fickle. Hypothetically, you are supposed to win every single one of these matchups that he played. But it's the kind of champion where one mistake and that's no longer the case. Now, he's extremely good at that champion. He did not play well in this series. The first game, he completely fucked up at level 1 and Zoom took over the game. I would argue Zoom was the reason they won that game, but like all of JDG played well the first game, right? Uh, then he had like the level one Sheen game. That was game three, I think, was the the crazy invade where he got two kill, first blood, and the second kill, and he picked up a Sheen at level one. I was like, yeah, he's just gonna win that. Like you, you can't possibly screw that up, right? The other, he got body in the Renekton matchup again. That's a matchup that you are. Su- it's finicky, but you are supposed to win it if you are a professional caliber gangplank player, which he is. And he didn't. Zoom outplayed him on it. And then the third matchup is kind of a skill matchup. Uh, could go either way. Uh, Renekton has the shove. Voli wins the trade. So it's kind of like this weird dance back and forth. Like, he's trying to get the wave to tower, and you just try to punish him for it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought Zoom outplayed him in... in I mean, he can't outplay the Sheen game, so I'm kind of throwing that... As a lane, I'm throwing that one out. Right, but Zoom outplayed him the other three games, so it was weird to me that like Sooning rely pretty heavily on him, him and SOFM getting ahead, and they kind of won this series without that, which was which was wild to me. Like, yeah, good. I was just gonna say I thought the most important person in this series was someone who we we might have looked at a little bit, but they were not somebody that I was like really pushing towards, which is actually Yigao. In game one, I thought Yagao absolutely destroyed them. In like all the team fights with Zoe, he was all over the place, just outplaying them really hard. And then they put him on Galio, Twisted Fate, Twisted Fate in the next three games. Yeah. And it just felt like the team fight outplaying that he was doing on Zoe in the first game is just completely taken away when you put him on Galio and Twisted Fate. Just two champions that aren't making any mechanical outplays on anybody. And then I barely felt his existence in the last three games of the series on those two champions. And I would have really liked to see them put Yagao. We, we, we knew that Angel was the weakest point for Sunning, and I would have liked to see them put Yagao on something that could have taken advantage of that because he played very well in game one. Yeah. Um, I know we had like a super long conversation about Twisted Fate and all that, but uh, I think the this was like another I, – I, I, I've taken to calling it Naked Galio. Like that's just what I'm going to call it from now on. Now, this game two where they did have the Galio, it wasn't entirely naked because you had like Set and Lilia can queue in. It's pretty easy for her to to get into a fight and get to a decent spot with her with her speed boost and everything like that. Renekton, you don't have like an actual wombo combo, but there's enough ways to enable it, so it wasn't totally off. But like again, this is another comp where I don't like it. <laughs> Like, I guess theoretically, it's supposed to be your follow-up. Like, Lilia gets to sleep on two people, then you taunt two people, and MF ult, you know, just combo, and it's over from there. Like, you just kill two people on the spot. I think that's the wombo they're thinking. But, I mean, we talked about this last week. What Like, what is with these LPL teams? 
these LPL teams just think Galio is a, a good enough standalone champion. Like, they have him, like, a, a tier higher than a lot of other things. Which I find a little bit weird, but I, I guess it fits the LPL, right? Like, the way they like to play. It's all about mid-prio and making, you know, making plays on Scuttles, making play on Dragon. So, if that's the case, it kind of makes a lot of sense, but... It's just weird to me that Top did this. Sooning did it in this series too. They had the Bard, but and then JDG did it in Group Stage and here as well. So it's weird that all three of these teams have kind of shown this tendency to to play Galio like without Camille. Now Camille has banned like this entire series. I think I think JDG banned it all four games. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's it, it was kind of kind of a weird series. I don't think it was like a hundred percent on drafts. I think Sooning just played really really well too. But I, I can see like. I don't think JDG's drafts were like extremely strong by any means. Like, I think I think Sooning got the upper hand, especially in the last two games. I think so. Yeah, this was interesting. Like, this was another one that two of the games were really lopsided because of that that weird. Um, actually, like three of these games are pretty lopsided. But <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts on this one? This was kind of a. I think this was a shocker to a lot of people. I, I guess. Yeah, it was a shocker. I woke up to it, it's like, what? Uh, but, hey, classic LPL. But the, I, I think the only thing I can take away is it gave us the best Worlds play ever with the Jin. Just oh, yeah. Jin ulting out of base has to be, like, the most hilarious use of an ultimate I think I've seen in professional play, at least this year and probably over the last I never went years. back. Like, I never went back to look and see, like, how that occurred. Like, all the turrets were up. Did he just run past the turrets just to try to uh, get an angle? Also, yeah. if you watch his point of view, he's blind. Mm-hmm. He's blind. <laughs> like, he had no Anyone. vision under the tower. He was just firing blind into them. <laughs> Look how swag is that. So, technically, it was actually they cleared a ward, and he shot at them as they were clearing it and got the kill. Got it, yeah. There's, there's a – I just can't remember what – like, there was a shot. It might have just been a screenshot, like, after he killed two people. I don't I couldn't tell at the time, but – there was a shot where it's just him blind with the gen ult open. And it's like, what is going on? And he's like in their base. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it was, that was right after they cleared the ward. So it was like a great picture, but like they had just cleared a ward. Yeah. They like knew where they were. I was going to say, if he was firing, actually firing blind, it was a pretty good shot, I must say. Was, uh, <laughs> that, that would be a uh, play of the year, right? And making yeah. Wong Kong's career. It's kind of a bummer seeing JDG go out because. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think they necessarily played. I think there were a couple spots where they, they – this was a competitive series. Like, JDG just made, I think, more dramatic mistakes, like more critical errors than Sooning did, and that was, like, what it boiled down to. I don't even think they necessarily played that badly either. I think it was just an exceptional performance from Sooning, and, you know, a couple hiccups can cost you a couple games, and that's it. So, um. What was next? Uh, Top, uh, Fnatic. Top and Fnatic. Man, oh, man. <laughs> so, we... <laughs> this this got out of hand really fast, right? Like, like the first two games, I was like, holy shit, are they actually going to 3-0 this series? Like, I figured Fnatic would be competitive in a couple games. I was like, maybe they have an outside shot to win this. Like, it was better than the odds, that's for damn sure. By the way, this series is a perfect example of why why the hell is anyone plus 600 at quarterfinals in Worlds? I was really glad this happened for that reason. Yeah. People were, were just like laughing at us for considering Dragon X 
and I was just like, this is this is exactly what we're talking about. Fnatic came out with a good game plan, smart. They they won two games immediately, and there's a what what kind of favorite are they from that point? They're probably a minus seven hundred favorite when they're up two games. So this team, they're like, you know, people are was basically laughing at us for saying they had a chance. You know, it was at some point in that series probably a negative seven hundred favorite. Yeah, I think. Uh... Well, yeah, first of all, like, just mad respect to Fnatic. And we, we said this about them, right? Like, it wasn't just the fundamental, like, aspect, like, ignoring the teams, like, this kind of, these kind of odds. Like, even ignoring that and just looking at Fnatic specifically, we're like, Fnatic have, like, a chance to be competitive in at least a few of these games, right? Like, this, te- this is a team that can run hot. We've seen it how many times, right? How many iterations of this team? How many different players? It seems like every year, they just run hot or they have like, I literally said on the podcast last week, singed. I literally mentioned it was like three or four champions. I mentioned that Blippo might bust out and he bust out the sin. Sure enough. And yeah, it, it's, they're the kind of team that are a frisky underdog, right? Like they, they aren't going to go down easy, right? It might be ugly, but they're the kind of, and they're the kind of team that can do this kind of stuff. And the other big takeaway for me was, top making an in-series adjustment, which is something that I think in Season 10 has kind of gone... It matters less than it used to, but it still matters, right? And this was a good example of that being the case, where it, it felt like top figured things out. I actually thought they made a pretty good adjustment in Game 2, and then by Game 3, like, I saw the drafting Game 3, I was like, they figured it out, they're going to win this series. Like, I legitimately thought they were going to win after that point, and then Fnatic had that insane start in Game Four. I was like, "Oh no, they're going to win three. They're going to win three. Well, I ended up losing a bunch of money blind on this one, but not blind. But I, I ended up losing a bunch of money live on this series because I was like, "Oh, like this is just a draft win." Oh, and then it swung the other way. Oh no, me hedge back. Oh no, it's, live betting's dangerous. You gotta be real careful. <laughs> um, I, go ahead, Josh. I echo that. I <clears throat> so I was um, a little bit different. Mine was a little bit different story, but when I saw. There was just some play early in game two where I got really confident that Fnatic was going to win game two. And I bet um, pretty heavily on them to take the series because it was still like over plus 200. And like John said, if a team's two, up 2-0 in a series, you're probably willing to, like they're probably like minus 300 to win it or so. Uh, so I was like, holy crap, this is insane value. Put down a lot of money on it and. Uh, Blown out. Got a got got reverse swept, which didn't. Yikes. But uh, it was man, I, I had a lot of fun with this series. I, I do feel really bad for Fnatic, um, like just like a random Nidalee taking over because she survived with tiny health a couple times on ganks. It's like man, that's such a crappy way to go out of worlds because like literally, if, if Nidalee doesn't survive, you know, one or two of those ganks mid lane with one, eight, you know three HP and then she presses her heel. So it looks like she was full health. Like uh, she doesn't survive one of those. Like it's just a completely different story. So it, it really sucks for them. Uh, and I do feel bad, but hopefully their, their mental is going to be okay. Cause again, they weren't, you know, expected to do much, but it's got to suck to be the first team in the world to, to, to blow to a lead. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that series was wildly entertaining because even seeing like a lot of the adjustments over the course of the series, like, I mean, I'll just like go ahead and simplify it for people. Like, Top Esports figured out to just attack Nemesis. That's what it was. Like, Jackie didn't even. I don't think Jackie played that good of a series here. 
Like I was actually kind I of thematic Spotland was miles ahead. Of oh yeah, series. they they played out of their mind good. I I, I mean honestly, I'm glad Hillisang gets to shut a bunch of haters up. It feels like he does this every year, right? Like I know he's not like trolling regular season, but it does feel like he has this trajectory every year where everyone's like, "Oh, he's inting, he's inting, he's inting, he's inting, he's inting," and he's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot you're good. My bad, my bad. I'll shut up next time." That's what. Um, but yeah, like the, the big adjustment in this series was they just started banning Nemesis champions, like the the stuff that he's been carrying on, and from that point forward, like they started blind picking Oriana, taking the taking the Syndra out or letting Fnatic, like, forcing Fnatic to ban the Syndra, and they, they just started blind-picking Oriana first or, like, saving counter-pick onto something that he did. Like, he had to go to the Velkaz, which I thought was an okay pick, but this has been the case with Nemesis all summer. Anytime he's not on champions that he can either cancel the other mid laner out on or that he can – that he's just good at, like Oriana, Syndra, and Lucian are, like, his three champions, right? Anytime he's not on those champions, he's – that's where you have the problems. He can hang with anyone when he's in his on his comfort picks. But when you take him off those champions and I would question top like why did it take this long? Like Gen G showed you how to do this on the last day of group stage, right? I don't know why it took them so long to figure it out. And I know some teams don't like to use the same approach that a team used cuz like the, they assume the other team expects that. And you want to kind of feel out a series. This is what we see with good teams. But it felt a little weird to me that it took them a couple games to figure that out. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Because it feels pretty obvious to me. I did think that going after Nemesis was a strategy that they definitely should have been looking at immediately. Especially since they have Knight. Uh, you know, use the best player in the world to go after the weakest yeah. link on the opposing team. Makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, that said, I mean... Jackie Love had been the one having the tournament so far, more so than Knight. So maybe they were just thinking, you know, we're going to play through that, and they didn't realize early that they were kind of actually ended up being outclassed in, yeah. uh, in the bottom lane. That might have been, like, the Fnatic bottom lane in this series might have been, like, the one of the better individual, per, like, lane performances of the entire tournament, like, over the course of this series. Obviously, we get to see five games, so it was, like, a lot. We got to see a lot relative to what we've seen from a lot of other things in this series, but, or in this in this tournament. But they, I mean, honestly, like even the games they lost, like they were out, they were winning, like they were they were outplaying Yuanja and Jackie Love, which is no easy feat. So they deserve a ton of praise. And we got to see Fnatic ganking bot, which is like Josh's favorite thing in the world. Yeah, I was gonna say, I Hill was saying, I, I still think he's the player of the series. Yeah, uh, oh, they lost. Like I, I was blown away by him in lane phase in finding engages late game. Like Rakan's really not a meta champion right now. Like people have been playing it, but he, he's not really particularly strong at anything. And, you know, he finds a way late game, like which game was, man, was it game two? Maybe he just snuck into their red side jungle, came out middle lane, taunted up Jackie love. And then boom, Jackie's just immediately dead. And they end the game. Like he just like, man, he was impressing the heck out of me in this series. So uh, I, I feel really bad for him, particularly because it was like, like we've said, like he gets dogged on a lot for being, you know, an inter and all this stuff when like really he's just a pretty smart player and just kind of, if his team doesn't fall, we, we saw it some games too. Like if his team doesn't necessarily follow him in, then he's going to look dumb. Right. So. I mean, you could make an argument that that was the biggest revelation for this fanatic team was they just kind of switched up at some point. And it wasn't like like a complete light switch moment where 
oh, they started following Hilly and they started winning. It wasn't like completely like that, but as the like as the summer went on and playoffs and now into worlds, like you could see like they were just a more decisive team. And maybe they were getting better practice or maybe they were just more comfortable on the patch or something, but um it kind of like once they synced up, that kind of decisiveness is is good, especially for, you know, huge underdog. It's like definitely good for us. Uh Yeah, Hilly Hopefully people remember how well he played in this series and not just that they lost this series. The only, like, my only beef with, like, Fnatic is that I really wish they would stop having the same storyline every season. Like, I really (laughs) feel like every season I walk away from Worlds going like, man, this team really figured it out by the end of Worlds and they overperformed my expectations. They didn't quite get it done, but, like, this team could really be a monster next year. And then they spend the first half of the next year, like, all Fnatic's doomed. They're terrible. They're never going to win anything. And then they pick it back up in summer. And then they overperform the Worlds again. Like, it just happens every single year. It's crazy. It's I'll, crazy. I'll, go, I'll go the opposite. I want that to happen exactly the way because it can be predictable. <laughs> it will be great for DFS. It will be great for betting. Everyone's on Fnatic. And, and then they see they have a slow start again. And they're like, oh, Fnatic sucks. And all. I mean, this team changed back-to-back years. They lost Caps. Then they lost Roxa. And this team still made it this far yep. into Worlds. Lots of credit. And they changed coaches, too. Yeah. Lots of credit to this team. They they find a way. Fnatic finds a way. Right? That's, <laughs> it, it's, cra- it's uncanny. It's ridiculous how it happens like, every single year, regardless of the roster, it seems like. Maybe it's the Reckless Worlds buff? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they they had a... I mean, we said it coming out of group stage. Fnatic looked sharp. Like, they were they were on. And they can hang with anyone when they're on this. I think this this series showed it for sure. Um, Gen G and G2. G2. I almost forgot. The G. G, G, Gs. Obviously, if anybody was following me on Twitter, I had a lot of strong thoughts on this series. And, uh, I mean, I'll just sum it all up here. You can go and read that. It's. I haven't tweeted that much since then, so you can feel free to go back and check the timeline on it. But uh, this just felt like just a colossal underperformance from Gen J to me. And like, I'm not trying to take anything. I, I've I've had to like, I've had all the G2 fans attacking me over this. I'm not discrediting G2 at all. I'm really not. I'm just saying that APK probably would have beat this Gen G performance. They were really, really bad. Like, they were really, really bad in this series. I'm pissed at Gen G because we didn't get to watch a real series. I didn't care who won this series. I really didn't. I had money on Gen G, but, like, I just want to see good league. And I'm kind of pissed that we got robbed of that because they just – and I don't even know – like, the frustrating thing about this is, like, I don't even know where to like where to go with G2 on this. Like, I'm not giving – I'm not upgrading or downgrading G2 from this series because – uh, it, it, there weren't games. Genji Genji punted this so many times for no reason in so many of these games that I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to put G two from this. Like, yeah, G two had some some really flashy, awesome stuff, and they look like they're on form. And if G two's on form, they can beat anybody. But this just felt like a non series to me. I don't. Did you guys feel the same way? I'll start quickly. I, I think I overall I agree with your take on this. G two didn't have to do anything special. They look like their old flashy self, but 
coming out of this, even with the 3-0, you're still left with wondering, are they going to hang with them? Are they going to hang with top esports? I know that they're good, but are they good enough to win Worlds? And I don't think I have that answer after this game. Uh, letting Jin through every single time that I have no answer for that. I'm like, what? what is going on? This was absolutely the Genji's worst performance all year long. I would go ahead and say, I mean, look, I would posit, and I was talking to somebody about this, that this might be the biggest underperformance of all time. Maybe that Samsung White team, or the first, not there was before they were Samsung White. It was like the original Samsung team. I think they went 06 in groups, if I remember right. That was like six or seven years ago. The past five years, this is the biggest underperformance ever, I think. I don't know if I take it that far. I do agree with you that this was an underperformance from, from Gen G in this series. I think that G2 is, is very good at taking people off of their game plans and kind of making series hard on people. And I think that, that Gen G struggled with that to some degree or another in this series. But, yeah, I, I didn't think this was like a big-time upgrade G, uh, G2-type slot where you should start hyping them as a, as a finalist or whatever. Yeah, and like I think that's the big thing. Like I'm not, I'm not shitting on G two. I got so much shit from people for this. It's like I'm really not. Like they look great. They could win this tournament, but like I, I just don't know what to take away from this series other than Gen G shit the bed. Like that, that's all this was to me. And I would have said the same thing the other way around. I would have said the same thing if it was Top Sooning. I would have said the same thing if it was Immortals versus a solo queue team. You know, like. Like, when you have that many unforced errors, I don't know what to take from it. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to take from those games. So, I guess like the the good things are, yeah, like you said, John. Like, they're good at taking people off their game. G two were playing the meta and shitting on people with it. So that's something we're not really used to with them. Usually, usually they play like a three quarters of the meta, and they have their own wrinkles to it. That's the way this team's always operated. They're just, like, playing the meta straight up. So they could have stuff cooked up, and they didn't even have to show anything. So that's another angle, like another Pro G2 angle moving on in this tournament. But, Josh, you had something to say. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I was going to say, I think you're overreacting because you came in with the, with the belief that Genji was a top-two team in the world. So it was going to be hard for them to live up to your expectations regardless if they get knocked out in the first round. So in, in that with that context, obviously it's going to be a massive underperformance for you, underperformance for you in your eyes. Uh, that I don't know if it's like actually warranted or necessary that it was that bad. Um, well, all right, I'll say this: for what it's worth, I thought they underperformed in group. They went five and one in group stage. I thought they played like shit. Yeah. Really? Like, I didn't think they were right. good in group stage, and they went 5-1, and one, so... Right, but, like, I think that they looked worse in some of those games than they did on in this series, so... it Like, that's that's where I was, like, have a little bit of pushback, but, like, yeah, I agree. They, they probably weren't playing up to their, their full speed. I do think part of that just has to do with the fact that, like, G2 is, like John said, just really good at taking people off their game plan, and also... Uh, like Caps was just kind of doing Caps things, especially in game two, which may end up going down as one of the best world's performances in history. Like, I was just nuts. He was going absolutely nuclear. Uh, but, yeah, I do think it, it, it was kind of crappy to not be able to take much away, but I do think Genji still showed some things um, on occasion. Like, they're, 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 like, way down and still, like, kind of hanging in there in fights, which is, like, what we said 
about them even in the group stage in like games they had no business really even being in. They were finding a way to somehow make it close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that like G2 is, this is going to be a really interesting game uh, coming up between in this next round. Cause I, I thought G2 did look pretty good. Yeah. Um, but damn one's kind of a, a whole nother animal. Maybe like it's still kind of hard to tell. Yeah. I think like, that's the big takeaway, right? Is like I think like as 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 analysts and handicappers, like these are the worst kind of series, right? Because like you can't, there's like so little data to take from it, right? Like I want to, like I would have rather seen like G two like completely smash like by creating all these opportunities and like I if G two smashed three zero from like mostly stuff that was like their engineering, I'd be like holy shit, like they look amazing right now, and they do, they look great, but. These kind of series, it's just like there's we get like a little we get like a little piece of bread. That's all we get. We get like these little we get the crumbs. We wanted like a whole a whole loaf to to dissect and and you know go over, but there's just not a lot here on this one. Like one yeah. one thing that stuck out to me, and like I've been very critical of Perks specifically. I thought he stepped up. Yeah, he, he played was... he played really well. I thought so. That that made me uh, like that impressed me a little bit because I had. I had definitely been critical of his play, and he definitely stepped it up. He's been good this tournament in general, I think. Like, obviously, he hasn't been like blowing the doors down. Although he does technically have the the dam the highest damage in a game right now. Uh, that hasn't been broken yet. His Ezreal game was the highest uh, highest damage uh, for a single game. Um, may or may not be keeping track of that for other interests. For those that aren't for those that don't know, I have an exclu- I have an extensive props and futures portfolio <laughs> that you can find over at the esports department. Um, most of them are looking very, very good. Um, that's what I've heard. I've heard that the props and, and that you, you guys went up on, I did not go super heavy on it and I wish I had now cause I have some good ones that I like left over, but I heard you guys are just smashing it. I'm, I legitimately, so I've had a bad tournament betting wise. I'm legitimately probably going to make all of it up like in props, which is insane. I cause I didn't, I didn't think it could possibly go this well. And I've missed on like two things, I think. That aren't that don't that aren't like MVP or like actual, you know, shot in a you know, needle in a haystack kind of bets, right? So, anyway, I really was going to be able to buy a boat if Lou Mao won Finals MVP. That one hurt. I was I was really on online for a boat there. I had I had some Lou Mao exposure too. Like I I basically took like all for MVP stuff. I took all the uh, basically all the underpriced players on teams that I thought could win the tournament. Like the top, basically the That's top been eight my teams. Strategy as well. I have a few left over. Juan Fong was really good value, I thought. So I have some Juan Fong. I have yeah. some Canyon. I think Caps and Canyon are the two most expensive that I paid up for, and I just like upped my weight on them. So yeah, I have some Caps. I have a little bit of Yankos only because he's like insanely. Yeah, it was like twelve, like, twelve five to one. It was like twelve point five. His odds are huge. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, he can have one good series. Like yeah. he hasn't been great this series, but this tournament, but. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget with tournament MVP that it's not tournament MVP; it's Finals MVP. It's just the series. Now, obviously, there's going to be some bias, I'm assuming, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a digression there. Uh, anything else on quarters? I, I was a little surprised we got a couple three O's, but these they ended up being pretty entertaining. The, the Fnatic top series almost made the whole thing worth it. That series was was just fun to watch. The only thing that made me sad was watching the. Fanatic player cams over the course of it because oh, they were yeah. they were having so much fun going into game three like everyone just laughing and chumming it up and 
Whippo and Reckless are both cracking jokes, and then you could you had to watch it like go slowly down into game five. That made me a little sad, but the descent into madness. Uh, so we had uh, one listener question because you guys are slacking. Maybe I should have, you know, put more effort into trying to get it out there. I put a tweet out this morning on the official Gold Card Podcast Twitter account, which you can go follow yourselves. Um, we had a listener question from Big Kev that I think is kind of a fun hypothetical, and I think he asked this because he knew he was going to get some conversation out of it. He says, or he asks, who would you rather have in mid lane, Caps or Chovy, and why? Now, let me double check the way he phrased it, because I think I asked him like the context of it. Like, is this a new team? Is this a... Uh, one second. Uh... Yeah, that's it. So, who would you rather have, Capsachovi, and why? So, I thought about this one because this one's a very interesting question to me. I'm going to go with Caps, and the reason for that is Chovy, at least this year, and we'll have to see if this ends up being his his legacy or not. But at least this year, Chovy has felt very much like I feel in solo queue, in that he wins his lanes almost exclusively. But he has a hard time translating that into winning games or a harder time translating that into winning games than a lot of other people. It feels like um, it feels like he, he like the, the last series is a great example against Damwon. He won every lane against Showmaker, but never once was I like, oh, Chovy's going to take this over. Like he just it felt like he got a 20, 30 CS lead and then I barely saw him for the rest of the map. And so I think you'd rather have somebody that's a little bit more malleable, like Caps, that he might not win his lane as often, but I think he has more things he can do and more things he can do effectively, even if I think he would lose lanes to Chovy 1v1 if they just played each other. Yeah, I uh, I ended up uh, – I'll, I'll hop in. I'll give Chris and Josh some time to think on this one because I, I talked with Kev a little bit about this one. I think this is – it's it's a, it's a very interesting question because I think there's arguments for either side, and I think they're both good at different things. I think – Chovy's skill set is—I mean, you mentioned the word malleable, but I, I kind of think Chovy's skill set is just better generically. Like, I would rather—and I, I think this whole narrative about him—I don't want to call it a narrative because I think it's just an observation that people have. Because it—you it, know—you watch a game, it feels this way, it seems this way. He kind of has this reputation for what you said, John, of like getting an edge and then like not doing anything with it. I think. A lot of people, there's a lot of people that say that. I, You were not one of these people because I know you watch these games. There's a lot of people that say that and just haven't watched a Dragon X game. Or they haven't watched a lot of Dragon X games and haven't seen the games that he has just gone ballistic, right? Like, watch their, he, he, he hard carried every single one of their playoff games. Like, every win they had in playoffs was just a hard carry from him, right? So, it's not that he doesn't do that, but like you, you mentioned, like, it's with less frequency, it seems like. But I and also I don't think feel that like he's good. as reliable. I was gonna say as I, and I don't think that he's as reliable when it comes to like getting like getting into the other lanes. Like I see Caps getting into the other lanes and, and helping to carry the other lanes and getting into the jungle more than I see Chovy getting into the jungle. Like he he definitely has plenty of games where he just go where he goes off, and he, he had games on Griffin where he just went off as well. But I think it's more often I see it just being Chovy going off and the team losing versus helping to to get the team a win with that ability. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing about this is you kind of have to look at this in the context of system too, and it'd be interesting to see Chovy like with a different coach or a different team. Uh, we're kind of seeing a little bit of a an evolution 
this season with this Dragon X team, they're playing like half like Griffin, half like new school top LCK teams. Like damn, they're like half Damwon, half Griffin, right? Where they still definitely have that. You know, the things that they focus on is like still very Griffin, uh, very focused on laning, very focused on you know like plus EV. Even if it's not like you know haymakers, right? They're not throwing big right hooks. They're just gonna you know jab you to death, right? They're gonna they're gonna try to win by score. They're gonna be Mayweather, right? So. I think Chovy maybe has some bias against him because he's not like a big play just by design. Like this team doesn't have situations where there's they don't have as many situations for there to be a big play moment. They don't have as many situations where they're dramatically behind and someone needs to make a big play. Uh, they don't a lot of times they don't even need like a big carry performance from anyone because just by design. Right. And I think there's kind of at least at least some degree of bias uh, in that aspect. Uh, I also think that for what it's worth, this you can flip this around and talk about Caps this way too. Caps, everyone talks about Caps as like this this roaming mid laner, and yeah, he spends the least time in lane, and we've seen all these metrics and everything, and that's kind of his his calling card. Make no mistake, Caps can play straight up against anybody, so I think that is kind of like a bias against him as well. So I think both these players are a little bit misunderstood. I think they're both very good. I personally would take Chovy's skill set in a vac, like just generic. Like if I didn't know the other players on my team and I have to build around someone, I want Chovy every time, right? But maybe if you have a specific thing in mind, yeah, I think if you have specific things in mind, you know, there's specific teams that are better for Chovy and specific teams that are better for Caps for sure. And I think they're both like world class level. Um, Josh. <laughs> so to me, it comes down to like <clears throat> I think this is the same argument that happened last year with the L.S. sparked it with Doimbi, um, saying like Doimbi's not very good at mid lane. He's not a great mid laner. Um, I think it comes down to what you think is the correct way to play the game, and that's not, that's not abundantly clear. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's like I personally think that players that roam can help cover up errors a lot more. I think it's a lot harder to win as a team if you're just always winning your lane and never helping your teammates. Um, because while it's really good to get lane phase and maybe even get a couple early drakes, especially in this meta, because you just have constant like pressure via the lane state. I just like, as long as I've watched this game, it seems like it always ends up coming down to a team fight. And if, if one of your teammates is way behind cause they just got camped or something, then like, you're probably going to lose that team fight, even if you're ahead because you won your lane. So, like, I don't know. That's that's where I struggle with the whole, like, lane dominance. And I love watching. Like, don't get me wrong. I love watching Chovy draft himself into a losing matchup and win. But Yeah. Man. That's something I haven't mentioned yet, and I'll just tag that on real quick, and then we'll go to you, Chris. Is like, I think for, for my money, he is the best player ever at winning matchups he has no business winning. I've never seen anyone that does it like with the consistency that he does. And I'm not talking just like like counter pick matchups either. I'm talking matchups where he shouldn't have the shove and he gets the shove, right? Like he shouldn't have prio in a matchup and he does. I mean, you saw you saw it in group stage against Knight too. Knight br- brings out the Nocturne. They ended up winning that game, right? But it wasn't I mean, it it was almost like that wasn't there until he got out of lane, right? That's an actual lane counter for those that don't know. Like Nocturne, Nocturne can basically just ignore you, and he didn't allow that to happen. So 
he he turns these kind of matchups for, to me that's an intangible. So that's another reason I like him a lot is because like it allows Dragon X and Griffin, you know, before this to draft in ways that you normally couldn't do. Like they can just blind pick him into any matchup and he's gonna win it. Which is like that's an intangible that I think is kind of like a hidden value. And that, I can see your argument. Oh good. Yeah. Like I, I just think that's one of those things where like it's not gonna outwardly manifest itself in a game. Like you might not see like the impact that that has in a game, unless you like look at it over the course of time, or unless you've been in that experience yourself, where it's like you know, if you can flip a counter matchup on its head like that, it just changes the entire complexity of the game, even if it might not show up on the stat sheet. So, God, John. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I can see your argument as well. Like if the team is already built as well, depending on what kind of team it is. Like if it's TSM, I think I'd just take Chovy. If it's Rogue, I think I'd rather have Chovy. Uh, maybe not rogue this season, but like traditional rogue, where they want to play a slow game, where they scale up a little bit. Like I think I, I'd probably be better off just having Chovy in that matchup. I think there's a lot of lineups where I could see Chovy being better, even though I said caps for mine. I think I was looking at it from the lens of I'm building a team to win worlds, and I'm starting with the mid laner, and I think I would start with caps because he fits into the kind of roster that I would want to put together to try to win worlds. What about you, Chris? Yeah. Um... I'll preface by saying the argument is much closer. Uh, of course, I'm giving the edge to Caps. If I compare them uh, from what I've seen so far, Caps is a guy that you can leave alone. And, uh, I, I'm not saying that Chobi can, but more, more often than not, even when you have uh, Jankos not doing anything to make it happen, Caps can make it happen. Whereas for Chobi, I think slightly, a little bit slightly more reliance on needing the team to work together, whereas... You know, G2 has always been such a very individual-based type of team that each person can take care of themselves and they don't have to worry. That's the strength of the team. You've seen Caps do this on different teams. So I, I think by their skill set and by uh, just what they can do, I would rather uh, want Caps. That's reasonable. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Like, it's, it's a cool question because it, I think, it was Josh, did you say it ultimately comes down to just like what you think the correct way to play is? Yeah, like there's if like anyone could ask this question and like the, we don't even have to, to talk about it. Like if you ask me what is Vince going to answer this and what's John going to answer, I'll tell you. Like Vince is going to say Chovy, John's going to say Cap. I'm convinced that's why Cap asked this question. By the way, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm 100 percent convinced that's why yeah. I asked it. So well, and that's and that's just like I said, like. It really just depends what you come down to. Like, I love watching both styles. I do think that one is more successful than the other right now and has been over the past couple of years, but that could easily change. Like, and what the, the League of Legends events that you have watched for the majority of your watching career is way different than the League of Legends I've watched yeah, for the last three years. Yeah. So it's like, you know, who, we don't know what's right, what's optimal. Like, LS always says, like, you can definitely win with just lane dominance, but you have to be a well-oiled machine and everyone has to be on the same page and communicate well. But, you know, it really just, it, it just comes down to how you see the game, what you like to watch, what you think is more successful. That's um, a really interesting yeah. point that you bring up there that I just wanted to piggyback on of like the league that you've seen in the last X little while is different from the league that people have seen that have watched for five years. And then that's different from people that nine years, I was like, very interested in having conversations with people on Twitter throughout this world who this is their first worlds and they've only watched for one year and they were supremely confident about the way that things should be. 
And I just tried to tell him, like, man, I've watched a lot of these world championships. Like, I know you think top esports is super dominant or whatever, but they're not guaranteed to just walk over everybody. It never happens. We've watched, like, all these worlds. Nobody, like, very rarely does anybody just come in and just 3-0 everybody and just stomp them just because they're the best team. And many times the team that we thought was the best team or the second best team goes out in the quarterfinals or loses in the groups. Like, trust us when we say that things can happen, but people did not want to believe it. People were all over me like, there's no way there's ever going to be an upset in these spots. Like, it happens all the time, man, I promise. It can happen. What was the, uh, like, there's only been, SK Telecom had a perfect tournament, right? Was the second one was a perfect tournament? I think the SKT years were the only years where it felt like the team that came in as the favorite just won it, and they just won, like, fairly consistently. We just always thought they were going to win, and they won. Yeah, I'm trying to go back and look now, because I'm pretty sure SKT had a perfect tournament in 2015. Has there been another year where the, the real, like, where the team that we thought was supposed to win won other than SKT? Like, the Invictus year, it was supposed to be Royal. I mean, some people Samsung, definitely thought... The Samsung year, I think... I I thought one of the Samsung teams was going to win. I thought white... I thought blue... So, blue were the favorites coming into the tournament because they had the better calendar year, but I thought white were looking better going into that tournament, and I personally thought white was a slam dunk to win that tournament. So... Yeah, the last few years, like like I said, the Invictus year, I think the, the general thought was that RNG was going to win. Yeah. Some people, like I think me and you were both on Invictus, but the general feeling was that RNG was going to win. And then the FPX year, people did not think FPX was going to win. Like in the in the group stages, you couldn't have found a person that thought FPX was going to win the tournament going in, like in the group stages. I was pretty bullish on FPX, and I had them three. So I know there are people yeah. that had them much lower than that. Um, yeah, you, so yeah, SKT, SKT had a, they lost one game. They were one game off of a perfect tournament in 2015. That was the second championship they won. They, they dropped one game to the, the Koo Tigers. And then I guess even, even one of the SKT years, they were supposed to lose to whichever iteration of Koo Tigers was there that year. I can't remember if it was Rocks Tigers or Koo Tigers or which iteration. Was it Rocks? Was that the year that they, that Prey hit the arrow? Uh, I think yeah. that year Rocks was the favorite. Yeah, uh, and then I, I think the the what's it called the Samsung year, uh, Sam, the the year Samsung won. I don't think SK like SKT. I think were the uh, they were like the three seed from Korea that year. So yeah, it yeah like I I just think over time with anything it, the field narrow like the 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 gap closes just because everybody kind of levels up and it's harder to have that big an advantage. Like it felt like the first S I mean, we're kind of going on a big digression here, but like those first SKT teams, if you go back and look at the, if you go back and like, go back, do yourself a favor after you listen to this podcast or after you get home from work or after you're done driving or whatever, do yourselves a favor, go back and watch just some games from the regular season of that season three SKT team. Hell, if you want to have a real laugh, go back and watch Faker's first professional game. Because Faker's first professional game, in hindsight, was like a joke. Like, oh my god, these crazy insane outplays. You go back and look at it, it's like, I'm better than that. <laughs> like, you can literally look at it and be like, I'm better than that. I'm like, golden solo queue or something. Right? The best example of that is the insect kick, man. I always get the biggest laugh. The first time that insect did the insect kick, everybody lost their goddamn mind. Yep. And now you can't play against the bronze Lee Sin that can't insect. Like, yeah. like everybody can do it. Yeah, it's it's so you got to remember too that like over time it gets it gets harder to have that dramatic of an event. Like SKT were showing up to 
I mean, you ever seen Last Samurai, where it's like the samurais fighting against like literal machine guns? It's like that's what it was. Like they had the machine guns in that case. <laughs> so it was like, and eventually everyone got them, and the, the 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 playing field was leveled out a little bit. So since then, there's been a lot fewer like truly dominant teams, which is why it's like kind of wacky this season coming into it that we've seen like Damwon and Top have just the the numbers that they have in in a season that's already high parity and the fact that everyone else has leveled up, the fact that they've differentiated from the field that much is like crazy to me. So maybe they are actually just insanely good. But off season topic, could twenty twenty TSM have won twenty fifteen worlds? Yeah, absolutely. No question. Uh twenty fifteen? Like like one oh, of those like, could one. they won one of those years. Like if we put twenty twenty TSM, if we time warp them back there, could they could they have won 2016 world. Answer. Answer. Double is still on the team, so we still wouldn't have made it out of groups. <laughs> oh, that's savage. Um, yeah, it was a really, really good list, uh, question, Kevin. Ke- Kev knows how to push the buttons because he knows all of us pretty well from interacting us with uh, with us on the eSports the Department Discord, which is free, by the way. You should check that out. Um, he interacts with us all the time on there, so he kind of knows how we stand on this. And he know- he asked this question. This is a total bait question, which is so fun about it because he knew he knew exactly where everyone was going to stand on it. And he messaged me. He's like, "I think I know where you guys are at on this, but I want to hear the discussion anyway." So, um, thank you for that, Kev. Um, yeah, send your listener questions in, especially now with the off season coming up. We're gonna have a lot more time to go over these, so feel free to hit the. Uh, Gold Card Podcast Twitter or any of us on Twitter or hit us up in a DM on Discord or, or Twitter as well. So, want to get into semis? 56 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> I didn't think we would uh, we would be able to do that, but somehow the Gold Card Podcast finds a way. It's My <laughs> wife's so tired of it, dude. I'm like, I think it's going to be a short show this week, man. We don't have a lot of It's just like, whatever, John. Like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so... Saturday morning, bright and early. At actually, this is sleeping in by East by Eastern Esports standards, so not so early at six a.m. Uh, we have Damwon against G two. Damwon are currently minus two thirty three favorites. G two plus one eighty nine as the underdogs. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Uh, anybody want to jump in? So, the way that I feel about this is like. I could see G2 winning this series, but I don't think you can make much of an argument as to why they should win this series. Like, I don't think there's a lot you can really point to to be like, this is how they're going to do it. But that doesn't mean I couldn't see them doing it. Like, there's a lot of random stuff that could happen that could make them win, but it's hard to, like, point to a stat and be like, you see, this is why they could do it. I was talking to a friend of mine about this series, and I came up – the best description I could come up with is G2 are just the worst team to handicap games in. Like, they, they it just sucks. Like, because they have the – their ceiling is as high as winning Worlds every year. Every year it's like that, right? And you never, ever want to bet against them, really. But I think this line is, is good enough that you, you – I think Damwon's the correct side here. But like you said, I, yeah, sure, G2 could win this series. It's just what, I don't know. G2, it's it's wild with this team. Like Josh just took his glasses off really dramatically. Yeah. I feel like we're about to get a big speech. The like, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's what he was intending, but I hope it was because it was real dramatic looking. Go uh, ahead, Josh. Do I see a – what? I can't. I think I'm having eye troubles here. Do I see <laughs> G2 esports and then a plus sign? 
Is that? <laughs> that uh, is correct, sir. Not huh. just plus. Plus almost 200. Oh, I th- and I see a number over here on the right that's like a plus three. Wow. Really interesting here. I wonder what Josh is betting in this spot. <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't be me. I have no idea what I'm going to bet here. <laughs> Eventual world champions getting plus 200. You know, uh, that's, a, that's a tough, tough decision for me to make. No. <laughs> Listen, listen. I said it before the tournament. I asked, "What what does this man Caps have to do to get the title of the best man in the world?" Okay, he put BDD in the most dumpsterist of any dumpster I've ever seen. That was like that was like Star Wars, where they're in the giant trash compactor, <laughs> yeah. right? Is this, like, is this like a bizarre, bizarre racism issue? Like, is it possible that a white guy can't be the best video game? <laughs> oh my god, dude. It's, it's the only one. It's, oh the my answer. god. I can't breathe. <laughs> Careful with the dog. I am so, like, nervous about the dog right now. Oh, he's fucked. He's, he's, he's just chilling. Holy shit. Dog is just chilling. He's like, are you okay? Look at him. He's like... <laughs> Please the episode. Dude, I how I'm disgusted white people's racism. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> Clickbait like episode titles. Oh my god sake, man. Can't we get some goddamn respect around this? Dude. Oh my god. Like I mean This this whole thing is like uh, th- this series is how much do you like G2? That's what it is to me. Like, just to just to attempt to reel this back in. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it after that. But uh, how much do you like G2, Chris? Uh, like you said, this they, they are the, one of the hardest teams to handicap. It's the worst. They're the worst. Like, they're the best worst. That's what they are. Like... <laughs> Make the impossible possible. Uh, mm, I really like the money line, to be honest. You like G2? Oh, I like G2's money line. I. This is tough. Like like I mentioned, after coming for that game, they, they have done nothing to convince me that they're world beaters. Um, they're still good. They have that ceiling. I don't think I've seen that ceiling this whole year. Nothing like what they've shown in 2019. And they're good facing against the team that put up the historical stats all year long. I'll I don't say, know how they Yeah, go ahead. I'll say I'll say this, like you can't just because they didn't like you can't hold what they just did against them. I might not be like, "Oh my god, add 10 points to the G2 stock." Like we're we're up 10% on the day. I'm not mm-hmm. doing that, but you absolutely can't take anything away from them for that series, like for sure. Right. So, I think be careful if you if you fall into the same line of thinking I do. You just got to be careful you don't go too far with that because, like, to, to say that they shouldn't win this series, I think, is incorrect. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of like, is this is this good is this good enough for you? Oh, man, you know what? I'm fully expecting Damon to win, but I like G2's money line. I will I will take that. Okay, all right. Josh is on G two. We already know this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to collect my because John just killed me. But uh, <laughs> so, 
I I'm like kind of there's a consistent thread with me being kind of the value the value guy here uh, on this podcast, and I talk about it often just comparative value. Um, for me, honestly, like I don't kind of agnostic to the teams. If you're going to give me plus two hundred on any team that's top four in worlds, I'm probably going to take it, regardless of what's happening, uh, regardless of who it is, how they got there. Um, I'm honestly probably just going to take it at that point. And and not to say like what you said, I think this line's probably fair. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily incorrect, but I'm probably just going to take it for the value because you know what. I think this is a tournament where it's already one where I want to be on underdogs, but especially so when we're getting to this type of tight of margins, like realistically, even if Dan Wong's the greatest team in the history of the game of league of legends, like it's still going to be hard for me to pay that much of a premium to bet them in this spot. Um, and in terms of like of game plan, what I think is really interesting is that Mickey X played like three different champions so he played, I think he played Pantheon, Tom Kench, and like Rakan. Um, so he can kind of play whatever, but like that Pantheon pick's going to be pretty contested between the two teams. But if you're Damwon, like, how do you ban out caps? You don't. You just play straight right. up. So like, if he's going to be able to beat the world on Silas, which he's been a great Silas player forever, he's done this at like several worlds that I've seen myself. Um, so, like, there, you have to ban Cinder, you have to ban Lucian. Both of those because Caps and Perch can both play them, and it'll just screw you over if you give them either one. You won't know where it's going until the fifth pick of the draft. And then if they're going to leave Silas up, then I like Caps on Silas. There's, like, no mid laner where it's not a good ult for him to steal. Uh, if they leave Pantheon up, then they're probably going to have to first pick it or they're going to have to first rotation on the other side. So, like, I just think they're going to be in a little bit of a bind because Caps isn't afraid to blind these picks. Yeah, and you won't let him like if you don't ban him on the first phase, he'll he'll definitely take it and punish you with it. Whereas Wonder can kind of play whatever in the top lane and be fine. So I, I just really like the draft advantage on that front. And I should point out, obviously, Showmaker can do the same thing. Yeah. Obviously, uh, can very much do the same thing. But I just think it's a a unique enough issue that I'm not going to want to pay over minus two hundred for one team to win. I, I have that's... an interesting question that I think some of our newer followers especially might find interesting relating to what you had to say there, especially your previous point about uh, you, when you're playing, you know, the best teams in the world and you're seeing a plus 200 something, you know, money line that you're going to want to take that. Do you think that might have something to do with the fact that you come from traditional sports where I noticed that like, I, I don't mess with traditional sports, but recently I've been messing around with it for fun and their money lines are not the way that league money lines are they're they're much, much smaller, even in big matchups like chiefs and fucking dolphins or whatever is going to be like a minus two fifty or minus 300 game, even though they're wildly different teams. Yeah. Football might not be the best example. Cause I think it's a, a relative to a lot of sports. I think it's a pretty high variance game. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, the question straight up, I, I do think that's probably a lot like a big has a lot to do with it, honestly, because like, and it's probably the same reason I've, I've lost. Like, I've, I've talked to, to you guys on here about it, but, like, honestly, one of the toughest parts about league handicapping is just being consistent because, like, I'm one of the guys where, like, if I think I have a 5% advantage, like, you never see that in, in NFL handicapping or anything. So it's like I want to go all in because when it hits, then I'm going to come out way ahead. Yeah. Uh, John, one example that we had in this postseason was the Lakers to make it to the finals. And I know you hit on that because I posted about it on Twitter, but like 
when I see stuff like that, that I think is clearly mispriced, like uh, I'm really bad at controlling myself at doing like the whole one unit thing. Like I'm like, okay, you don't get these opportunities often. Let's pile in on it. And that's what happened, especially in this fanatic thing. So like, I do think that that's definitely something that I struggle with personally and could be an issue why I like, I'm always like, Oh, just bet the value, bet the value, bet the value. Cause like you said, for league standards, this line is like, what are they, what are they saying with a plus 189 line? Well, for league handicapping standards, they're saying Damon's probably like what, 3%, 5% better team or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's, it's in this aspect, I like with series, I like to break it down by game because you can, there's some pretty easy math you can do. You just like, honestly, just Google it. It's pretty easy to divide a series into game money lines. But like, so like this series, for example, Dan Wan's minus six, 167 in each game. So, and obviously like if they think the series is going to be close, they can price it in a way that it's like, you know, more or less elastic, right? Like for example, like in the, the top fanatic series, um, top esports were like minus 400, like they were like minus 480 on a map. And when you look at it in that perspective, that can kind of help a lot of people. I think a lot of people look at a series and you're like, oh, yeah, this, that, or the other thing, or, or you know, this money lines of value, right? I think when you get to this level, there's reasonable arguments for all that kind of thing because these teams are all so good. But, like, maybe in, like, group stage, for example, right? Like, imagine we had, like, a group stage that had, like, you know, multi, like, a best of three or something. A man can dream, right? But you can break these games down, like so. Like if if I if I put to you that G two or plus one twenty eight to win a, a map, like per map, like game one, plus one twenty eight. Obviously, it's harder to pick and choose which maps they're gonna win. But when you think about it in that context, I think it helps out uh, to give you like a better perspective on things, right? That's what two thirty three and a best of five looks like. Is if this was an LCS regular season game, that that would that's what the line would be. So I think I think a lot of people lose perspective on that, but when you look at it game by game, uh, and you break it down that way, uh, it it kind of gives you better perspective on it. So that's like really where they're grading these teams, which is you know I don't know odds conversion. What's minus one sixty seven is what like sixty two percent, sixty two and a half, something like that. It's like in that ballpark, right? Um, is this a sixty two thirty eight matchup? I don't think so, but I do think that something John mentioned that I think like ties into that is like if it's priced as a sixty-two thirty-eight, you got to remember that like, and we talk about this all the time, but like, in if this were a normal sport or a liquid market, that's probably realistically more like fifty-seven forty-three, yeah, or something like yeah. they take out so much more juice on these games that it's not actually a real representation, which is another reason why I'm almost like, oh, there's value, there's value, value. I'm gonna go ahead and do the the no vig true odds on it. So it's actually fifty. It'd be like fifty eight eight against forty one two. Yeah, that's like no vig. So um, yeah, if it's fifty eight forty two, it's like yeah, it's like a you know. Fair. I personally think it it is. I, I think this line for me personally, just to keep this moving, I, this is good enough for me to bet damn one. I was expecting this number to be higher. Um, I. I I really just do think that Damwon are, are very, very good. I think they're that much better than everybody. So I'm willing to do this, but I think if you don't think Damwon are leaps and bounds better than everybody, then you should probably be on G2 here. Like, no question. If G2 I happen to think Damwon, they are. 
Go ahead. If G two beats Damwon, are they the favorite in the finals for you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, no matter who comes out of the other side. Uh, yeah, I think so. Because, uh, I mean, to me, obviously, Top have looked really good, and I guess we can kind of use this to transition. To do we have any other thoughts on this one? Because it's a good transition point, I think, to go into the next final. Thank you. You're so good at transitional material, John. You have you. You have a future as a producer, sir. <laughs> Keep it moving. Keep it moving, asshole. Keep it. <laughs> um, so the next series, obviously, is Top Esports against Sooning. So Top Esports are minus one sixty nine favorites against Sooning plus one forty two. Uh, much closer. I will say that this line was all over the place, and even still, if you look around at the different books and the different uh, markets optional or available to you you're going to see a pretty big variance. Um, this was taken from uh, a relatively low VIG spot. Uh, like I, I would call it like they're, they're it's a market making book. So yeah, I, I saw this as high as minus 300 for top at some places. So there really is a gigantic range of, of numbers for this. I think a lot of places have settled into somewhere between minus 160 and minus 200 um, as favorites for top esports here. So, yeah, I, I think here's what's interesting about this to me. How much did top get downgraded because they dropped two games to Fnatic? I, <clears throat> I personally didn't downgrade the much for losing two games to Fnatic. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I will say I did my video on this already today and I, and I had kind of a long little spiel about this, but I'll break it down to the easiest part, which is in this tournament, Sooning has been better and their stats are better in every metric, but top esports is five zero against them this year. Yeah. So the, so the question for you is, do you believe what happened during the regular season and playoffs of summer, or do you believe what's happening so far this tournament? Because so far this tournament, I think it's inarguable. Suning's actually just been better. If you use the stats for this tournament only, Suning should be the favorite. They were in a harder group in group stage and did better, and they had a better semifinal performance against a tougher team. So in, in theory, they, they should be the favorites if you're looking at only this tournament. So how much do you trust the season versus what you're seeing here? Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to break it down. And I mean, so like, where where do you have this tournament? Like just whatever biases you may have, like just like where, like percent wise, like where do you handicap this at? Like just roughly the whole tournament or the game? No, like this, this series, all things considered. I don't think it's far off of being right. Probably. I might go a little bit lower on the top money line. Uh, could drop it down to maybe like a one forty, and put Sunning at like a plus one twenty five, something like that. Maybe. Um, I think this is a closer series than everything's giving. I don't think top's been that good this tournament. I would say historically, when I've had to ask myself this question, that question about like, do I trust what happened the rest of the year or what happened recently? Historically, when I have to ask myself that question, what happened recently ends up being right. Yeah. I would say in, in all of my history, that's been correct. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what do you think on this one? Cause I, I, I really do think that like, it's pretty hard to argue against top being like an overall better team, given the entire sample that we have, but I'm kind of with you. Like, I think this is a coin flip. I really do. I think this is a coin flip series. Yeah. So I said, I think I said this last week, like 
I want to bet on suiting, but they just aren't like the type of team that makes me excited to bet on them as an underdog. Like teams like G2, Unicorns of Love, like these teams that you know can like just do a mental game, can pull out something weird. Uh, I think suiting plays so straight up that it's like harder for me to imagine them pulling off a big upset, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys agree with that. And that may be, again, a bias on my part. That's just incorrect. But that's sort of how I feel about them. And it makes it tough for me to want to even just like touch any of their games because the odds are like so like the problem is like, I think they're good enough to win straight up. But I also think that like, if they play straight up and top play straight up, why wouldn't I be on top side? So it's like really hard for me to, to reconcile with myself, like who is going to win this? And so I always just end up passing on their series. I see, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, in regards to the the you know playing as an underdog kind of situation, I think for me personally, when I get into that line of thinking, it's more for for me personally, it's usually when the underdogs are like big underdogs that like are definitely not expected to win a series. So like in situations like this where it's like a coin flip or close to a coin flip, like give or take, if it's within that like fifty five forty five band. Like, if it's within that range, right, then I kind of think you just need to be more straight up about it. But that's just how I handle things. I'm sure, that, like, there's different schools of thought on this. Like, there's... Yeah, that's totally there. fair. I think that makes perfect sense to me. Like, if you have a plus 600 underdog, if you have, like, Fnatic last week, it's like, you got to tell yourself the story where that happens, right? You'd be like, okay, like, is the number correct, right? Okay, is this, you know, how unlikely is this to happen, et cetera, et cetera, especially because, you know, extrapolating over best of five is a little bit different, right? Uh, I think the only way you can be on top in this series is if you're able to convince yourself enough that they deserve to be, like, have money laid on them, basically. Like, I think, to me personally, you could see... Like I could see somebody justifying top esports. They're five zero in the season series. They are, they were dominant all calendar year. They had like a little bit of a lull in the middle of summer, but the numbers say top esports. The numbers say that top esports is a value here, but you look at the tournament. You know, John makes a good point about that as well. Um, Chris, where do you stand on this one? I don't know if he just he might be switching over to his camera. I'm not sure. I don't know. A little technical difficulty here. So I I'm probably I'm gonna be on sooning here. I just think Yeah, coin flip take the underdog. Like plus one forty is enough. If this was like split minus one tens, it'd be no action or you know, something like that. If this was even like minus one thirty plus a hundred, I probably wouldn't have anything on it, but I think one forty two is like more than enough for me to justify it. I was probably going to take this at like 110, 115 or better. I think top or better, but I don't think it's like, I think it's like a, like, I don't know, like 52, 48, something like that. Like I think slight top edge. So to me, this is, this is a sooning bet, especially because they've looked really good this tournament. So Chris, where do you stand on this one? Top esports sooning. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I confuse I get. I think at the end of the day, top is likely going to win. This might be a closer series than I initially anticipated because Suning, I'm buying more and more. You know, throughout the tournament, I've always been like, oh, Suning didn't deserve to come here. It's like they took a Victus' spot and whatnot. But they, they proved themselves to be here. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if they upset Top, but uh, at this point, I I believe that Top has the familiarity for one thing and the ability to figure them out. Um, it's not a given. It's definitely not a given. Yeah, I think the, the familiarity aspect is kind of interesting on this one too because I think that can kind of work both ways depending on how you want to drive the narrative. And I always say that the, every time I end up saying the familiarity argument for anybody, I said the same thing in Damn One Dragon X, I have to go back in my head and like counter-argument. Like I have to play devil's advocate with myself and be like, okay, you just made the familiarity argument. Like that works in favor of the other team too potentially. How much does this weigh in each way? Like – you can only use that narrative if you actually think the familiarity argument benefits one team more than the other. So I think if you do think – I mean, obviously Top have had their number. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a school of thought that would be like, okay, Suning can't possibly keep losing this way. Maybe they – is Top going to win 100% of games against Suning or 100% of series against Suning? I don't know. Like, if that's the case, then yeah, sure. Like, I, I think – like John said, you do need to weigh current form in. And this is one of the tougher parts about doing tournaments because we don't get them as often in League of Legends as as we do in other games where, you know, a team might like counter like a counter strike team might play worse in a league like in a league setting and better in a tournament setting, right? Or in a land setting, right? So we don't get the we don't get a lot of that in League of Legends. So one of the challenges is how to adjust quickly and whether it's correct to adjust quickly versus stick to what your original gut read was. So um, I think that was the, the, the best way to sum this series up. Um, I'll be on Suning. You're on top, Chris, Josh. Yeah. Top. I think I like the stunning side at the number they have there. I'm just going to be a, uh, a viewer. Pass I think I'll say, I didn't say this when we were discussing the matchup, but I think one of the most interesting things about this matchup is for me, given even how the teams have played recently, I think it's a really clear advantage in two different spots. I think Suning's bot lane has played a lot better, and I think Top's mid jungle is a lot better. Yeah. And so for me, that's that always creates an interesting dichotomy of who can get their their strength going. Yeah, I it should honestly this series should be awesome. I'm looking I, both these series should be awesome. Really, like a potential to go the distance in both. I think all four of these teams would be deserving winners if they end up taking the tournament. I. Really, nothing would surprise me that much. I'd, I'd be a little... Yeah. I say nothing would surprise me, and I'm willing to lay 233 on damn one, so I'd be a little surprised if G2 won. But it's G2, so nothing would surprise me with that team. If that team comes out and smashes damn one in, you know, three times in 25 minutes or less, I'd be like, yeah, it's just G2. <laughs> like, classic G2. And then, like, they lose the final somehow. Like, that would be, like, the most classic G2, right? Like, I don't want to jinx it. I, I shouldn't jinx G2 like that, but... Um. Yeah. Any other thoughts on semifinals? Nope. I think we're going to get an exciting final. Okay. I think it played out. I think I played out in a cool way, uh, where LPL has been our best region, and so they get to decide who their best team is by playing each other, and then the other two best yeah. regions get to have their best seeds play to decide who gets to challenge for the LPL throne. I like that. Yeah. It did. It did end up playing out pretty pretty nicely that way. Yeah. Shout out to Dukes. Uh... <clears throat> one of our partners there at the esports department, you know, I've been telling us all year that TSM is going to win worlds and like, there's no, there's really no way to tell whether or not he's wrong yet. So yeah, this is true. This I is think true. there's a chance it could happen. So I believe. Yeah. I mean, there, we've seen crazy things happen. Damn, like this could be like, uh, Oh, what is it? Who likes that? Who, he, 
it's like professional wrestling. He cut like the theme music comes on and double lift. Reginald runs in with a steel chair and interrupts the uh, the finals match. It's just That's like dude. I, I've been begging. Oh God, 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 God. <laughs> uh, it's even better, dude. Like Damwon wins worlds and everyone's like the slobbering all over Damwon, and then Nuguri takes off his mask. And it's Broken Blade. And it's been Broken Blade the whole time. Oh, my God. It's DSM. Stop the damn match. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Jim Ross, man. Oh, man. Yeah, like... Yeah, the, the, these should be awesome series. I'm I'm gonna be... I'm looking forward to both of these. Um, it should be awesome. Let's do pick of the week. So, last week was a pretty good week overall. Actually, it was a, overall, it was a very good week, actually. Um, <laughs> God damn it, John. <laughs> John, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to his in just a second. Um, so I had Sooning plus 136. Me and John had the heads up in this one. Uh, Sooning won that outright, but we got to make sure we don't make this a habit because technically we're just middling for free. So, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we should probably not do that because we're just doing – anyway – Sooning ended up winning that series. I got Sooning plus 136. Uh, John missed on JDG minus 1.5. Chris missed on Gen G minus 1.5. Josh hit on his parlay. So I didn't get the exact odds from you, Josh. I just did like a rough parlay calculator based on the odds I had and came up with plus 430. I yeah, I, right. I actually didn't end up being able to do this, unfortunately. So the side I use doesn't allow like the alternate spread lines. So I was, uh, I got kind of screwed over, but I was down it here. Yeah. So plus four thirty on that. That's a nice cash. You're you're almost caught up to me now. I got to look out. Um, and then the listeners compliments of at Jacob underscore Vikan twenty two hit top fanatic over three and a half maps at minus one sixty seven. So the listeners getting on the board too. Uh, all together, we are plus 11.89 units, thanks to Josh just nailing that, plus 430. I am at plus 9.65. I'm 22 and 10. John is 14 and 18 at minus 3.41 units. Chris, 8 and 21 at minus 10.81 or 18 units. Uh, Josh is now at... 12 and 9 at plus 9.35 next thanks to that huge score and the listeners 3 and 6 but they're only minus 1.33 units so still plenty of time to get into the group well not plenty of time but you have another week or two to get into the green so the listener pick of the week this week already rolled up was damwon first tower in game one at minus 150 damwon have taken first tower in every single game in this tournament Damwon had a crazy first tower rate over the course of the regular season. This is actually an insane value based on their calendar year results. Even if you just like like isolate summer, um, this is a gigantic edge. It's like a 30% edge. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, totally reasonable. Wouldn't surprise me if this is their first one lost, but uh, I think that's a great pick of the week. And that was compliments of... Give me one second to pull up who it was because I almost always write down who it actually was, and I didn't this time because I'm irresponsible. It was from at DFS underscore Chan this time around. So thank you for that one. Everybody else, pick of the week. Let's hear him. 
I went with one we didn't talk about when we were actually going through it, but uh, I went with G2 Damwon over 26 and a half. I, I quite, I quite like uh, this kind of matchup. Seems like G2 gets to control the pace. Damwon's been a slower team for the most part, like kill wise, but uh, I think G2 controls the pace of all their matchups. And when they, when they play a team that's not that bloody, usually you can take the over because the the book treats it kind of like it's an average of the two teams, where actually G2 is just going to control it. I think. Yeah. Also, Damwon are way more than willing to, you know, yeah, they'll battle with you. So, like this, this has all the makings of thirty kill games every single game. So, I like that. I like that spot a lot. I mean, this is one of the ones. Or just another thing to maybe just like a little bit of advice on these. You want to take these in the first three maps, uh, and then you want to check to see if your book will refund or push on games not played in a series. So, like. If they do that and they refund you if the match is not played or the game is not played, then just do this on all five maps. And I, I would think if this goes to a five game series, I'd assume you're gonna get you're gonna hit three of these like minimum, probably four. It's probably closer to four, which makes this a pretty good pretty good wager. Twenty six and a half is low for a G two game, actually very low for a G two game. They're averaging what like thirty and a half kills per game combined in, in in their games this season. Which is down from last year, by the way. Which is absolutely bonkers. Um Chris. Oh, sorry, muted. Um I'm gonna make it easy. I'm gonna guarantee that them once making it to the finals. I take the G two money line at plus one eighty nine. Josh is like, please don't mush this. Please don't mush this. Because Josh yeah, I'm on a G2 minus one and a half again, uh, two weeks in a row. I, I realized as Vince was talking through our actual pick of the week records that you guys really just shouldn't trust anything I say because I'm just an EU fanboy now. Because the, the reason that I'm only three wins over 500 but plus nine units is almost purely because of teams like SK Gaming and G2 just hitting for me at way plus odds. So, uh, I might be, you know, just slightly biased by whatever makes me money, but I don't know. If it makes me money, maybe it's right too. Whatever makes you money, Josh. This will be your this fourth is... G two pick in a row. <laughs> Let the record show. It seems, seems, seems legit. G two minus one forty seven against Sooning. G two minus one fourteen against Sooning. G two and Fnatic. <laughs> G2 minus 1.5, Fnatic plus 2.5, a plus 430. Those were your last I, three pick of the week. I hit two of the three of them. And yes, the, you did. I had to bet because I bet the first You one. have a savage ROI, so who the hell am I to judge? <laughs> um, so he's G2 minus 1.5. Uh, I'm – I guess I can't do damn one, right? Can we make an exception because there's only two matches? Can I do damn one money line? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think it's close enough, right? Who do I like one of these other things? Better? Are you betting a number above minus 200? Yeah, hey, I'm breaking the rules. Get out of here, Vince. Come on now. What are we, what are, what are, we go, are we going soft on him now, John? What's what's going on here? You're the other OG in the place. Right, we're going to make up for it with our other bet. <laughs> if that's the case, I'll do Sooning plus 1.5 maps. Just still parlay. We'll do Sunning plus one point five maps. Or yeah, I mean you could also parlay you know the two teams you think you're gonna win. I think that's reasonable too. Uh, I'll do Sunning plus one point five maps at minus one fifty nine. Or like a halfsy. Do like 
that and like the the money line because I think it's totally reasonable. Like if you like plus one point five, then you like the money line too. So, but I think that series could be an absolute slugfest. I actually hope it is. I hope, I really do hope that series is just like an absolute five game bloodbath. And all of us emerge from it with a cigarette in hand and asking if it was good for you too. <laughs> like I, have to, I hope that's how that series goes for everybody. <laughs> um, and then I'll put the listener pick in. Um, jo- John, you had a, a bonus pick, I guess, as part of your yeah, sign off here. I think a lot of people, if they've been following me on Twitter, if they've followed me in the Discord, uh, know that I'm really trying to expand uh, my sphere of what I do. And so I've really, the last few weeks, uh, a lot of effort, just nose to the grindstone, learning everything you could possibly learn about the NFL and its history and the current league as it sits today. Modern and, trends. Uh, modern trends, you know, in the history of the league. You could probably ask me, you know, who the running back was for the 54, uh, I don't know, Braves. Um, and they probably would, I'd probably be able to tell you. <laughs> so... That said, with all my recent knowledge, I've come up with the the Carolina Panthers at plus 285 stuck out big time to me as an automatic just fire. Um, so this is awfully interesting. Why, why the Panthers of all teams, John? Well, there's some metrics. I have my own metrics uh, that I use that other people don't necessarily use. They're very insider to things. Sort of, I can't reveal the mechanics of how they work. Uh, the one that really made this one stick out was called the which team has Drew Brees scale. Uh, and it's something I mean, Please cut this man's mic. <laughs> uh, yeah, the so that that metric, I'm not going to explain how it works or what the machinations of it are, but uh, that is what led me to the Panthers at plus two eighty five. Yeah, you've got high, you've got higher end clients that you can't uh, disclose this information from. Yeah, they'd be very bad. Uh, the patent, uh, especially, is going to be worth a lot of money. I think. Noted. Noted. So everyone's playing Drew Brees and DFS this week, right? <laughs> One thing I'll point out is like this is the first week that I'll say John's actually going to be like wrong in placing the bet because Drew Brees is finally going to get Michael Thomas back, so he might look like he knows how to play football again. Uh, But it's that guy is so. (laughs) I disagree with you, Josh. That's like the old NFL. John has all the trends of the new NFL. Yeah, what yeah. do you know, Josh? That what do you know about was... football, Josh? I'm going to get three yards at a quarter, Josh, guy. So. <laughs> I don't know. That guy must be some sort of old guard cat because I don't know I don't know much about that guy. Michael Thomas, that guy is. Oh, my God. <laughs> we need some football people to listen to this. You'll have. You have a lot. Somebody's got cl- somebody to clip this and, and – <laughs> I feel like this is like the, the the old meme for the, the 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 what's it called like the Pornhub meme format. It's like you know weird weird nerd trash talks Michael Thomas or something. Like I don't even know. You have to come up with like that that meme format. Is there's so many opportunities here. So many opportunities. No, what we need we need is like John to like videotape himself next time the Saints actually lose, and then we can put that. <laughs> Dude gets off to do I, I, I don't think we're gonna have to wait long for that. Uh, <laughs> look, the meme, the meme is that Drewby's guy. That's it. That we gotta, we're, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to bump the rating of the Gold Card Podcast up to double, uh, up to triple X. 
next time around. So <laughs> maybe not. I mean, we're already on the fringe of family friendly uh, programming, but you know. <laughs> do uh, totally unrelated, but everybody do make sure to to keep an eye on my Twitter this week as I do my challenge that I have now locked in all my betting for uh, to carry. Wilson, as most people know him, uh, Borders Road to Gold in League of Legends, someone who only started playing a few months ago but has become an avid league fan. I've accepted a, a number of bets to see if I can get him to Gold, and I'm going to try to stream all or as many of the games as I can. Where can these games be found? Where can the stream I be found? I think they're going to be at Twitch t- twitch.tv slash the esports department is where they're going to be How at. How convenient. How convenient. Uh, yeah, by the way... There's a, a lot of uh, a lot of fun props and stuff going into this. I think that could be like really really fun. So um, definitely tune in, and should be should be a really entertaining experience if nothing else. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I don't really have anything sign off wise. Uh, take uh, if you need to replace your roof. Yeah, look, PSA. Uh, if you have roof damage, replace your damn roof. Because uh, I had to have insurance adjusters come out here today and look at all this water. It's not even my place, thankfully. I'm just renting. But, like, we had water down. We had my roof replaced uh, a couple weeks ago. It was actually during the second week of group stage, right? Um, The roofers came out and replaced it, like, that Tuesday. That next Monday, we had insane water damage everywhere. Like, even worse than we were having before. After they put a new roof on. So... Make sure it's done right. Pay for pay for good work, and uh, if you need to replace your roof, actually do it because otherwise you're gonna have problems. And water is the devil uh, to houses and buildings. So, yeah, little little PSA there. Chris, Josh, anything else for uh, sign offs? Any Drew Brees tips? Go ahead. I feel like we all need to adopt an NFL player at this point. Ah, oh, man. That's tough. Or, like, just uh, for the memes. See, the problem is if you guys that. did it, it just wouldn't be, like, well-informed. It's informed. not the same. No, it's it wouldn't be same. well-informed opinions. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to give the listeners, you know, bad advice because you guys aren't willing to do the work and learn about the NFL the way that I have. Oh, this is true. This is true. Um, definitely definitely don't want to um, confuse the listeners. John's the expert here. Right, Josh? Right, Chris? Absolutely. I'm gonna next question. <laughs> I believe in him. Oh man! All right, so I think that's gonna be it for for us. Um, definitely hang out with us on the Discord this weekend. Check out the Esports Department Twitch channel to see um John and Wilson on their uh journey to hopefully gold. Um, enjoy these semifinals. These should be awesome matches. We get Saturday morning, Sunday morning. So hopefully, a lot of people are off from work and to watch these things live. It should be a lot of fun. Hit up the Discord. It's going to be blowing up, I'm sure, for these matches. And uh, unless you guys have anything else, I think we'll see you guys next week for the final match of the year. God, that's so bittersweet. See you guys next week. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.